Hey everybody, you're kicking it with the Homeboys and the Homeboys podcast where we talk everything in the world of real estate investing. Whether you're just getting started or a seasoned vet, we're going to give you our over 40 years of combined real estate experience to help you on your investing journey. Today, we've got a very intriguing topic. We are talking about commercial office space and the increased vacancy rates that can be seen across the country. Yeah, we're going to cover what you should be looking for as an investor and why we believe now more than ever is such a great time for single family and multifamily residential real estate investing and why we've been scared of commercial real estate for a long time and the numbers are backing it up. I'm excited to talk about this today. This yeah. kind of came about because you were bored on your computer late at night and you happened to shoot a uh, an article my way. It was a video and the increased vacancy is, is nuts. And I found it really interesting because you sent it at the time that I was actually in New York City, and a lot of the a lot of the article was about, uh, you know, the, you know, tens of thousands of office spaces that are in New York City, which is you know a completely different market than what we deal with here in the Midwest, but very alarming. Yeah, it's it's across multiple cities too. This isn't just a, a New York problem. It's a problem that we felt was coming before the pandemic. And the pandemic really accelerated it. And there's really a shadow problem, according to some of these articles I've been reading and, and the, the videos that I've sent you. There's kind of a shadow problem beyond this problem where a lot of companies still have their leases in place, but they're not actually in the offices. And so that doesn't count as a vacancy. Well, as far as New York's concerned, I, I think that they're... Instead of being in their office, they're outside on the sidewalk smoking pot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you said you everywhere know? you went, that's <laughs> I mean, all it was. We just got back, and you know, I was there in 2018, and the difference is just absolutely mind blowing. The marijuana is just absolutely you know everywhere, and I'm not saying anything you know positive or negative against it. I'm just saying. Man, it was really hard to get away from the pot smoke. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Such a the town is just so different than what we're used to here. It's just uh We are we've become such small town folks over the years, you know. And I know you're from a small town, but you know, we we've traveled the world. We're pretty cultured. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially for Midwesterners. I mean, you and I have been all over the world in multiple cities and I mean I've I've been to almost I think 40 something states. But now when I travel, I realize I'm becoming an old fuddy duddy because it's, I'm shocked by cities and how people act and, or maybe the cities have changed. Well, the times are changing, you know, yeah. the old Bob Dylan song. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I am a small town guy, you know, at heart and I don't know. It was a little, it was culture shock in New York city, which it has been every time I've, I've ever went, but this time even more so. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we toured some of the, uh, some of the big buildings Like we went to the top of Rockefeller center in 2018. We went to the top of the, my uncle was married on, on, uh, the top of the Rockefeller center. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, my uncle Mike. Really amazing reception space yeah. up there. Well, I'm sure got, that was a really inexpensive wedding. I'm well, sure. His, uh, <laughs> so there, the, he, as you know, that side of my family, I've got a side of my family that married in that's from New York and they, they started the, the deli, um, called Balducci's there. And, and, uh, so their father did really well with those and the uh, reception was at the rainbow room. And then we, uh, partied up on the roof 
for, for the rest of the night. It was pretty, pretty neat experience, but New York was kind of my special place in my twenties that I went to a lot. I loved it, but this is a problem. That's it's, it's in all cities. It's, here in Indianapolis, we see it. We saw it for a while with, um, I forget how many, I think it was, was it a billion they spent on the, on the Roche, uh, complex? No, I'm not sure. I mean, it was a lot. Yeah. And, and they weren't there for a long time and they, I guess they've gone back into that building since, but, um, you, we saw it firsthand here and rather than just focus on the negativity of this this is more along the lines of a lot of the people that own that real estate people don't realize are just normal everyday folks who own REITs so a lot of people have that in their retirement packages in their 401ks through fidelity through nationwide through wherever they invest they own a part of that sector and that that can be a pretty scary place to be right now. And I think that what's really exciting for us is the fact that because of technology in the last decade, regular everyday average folks can own single family or multifamily investment properties on their own without having to buy into some REIT that packages a bunch of empty offices in there. And then you can't sell that REIT. You had a REIT you couldn't sell. It took you forever no, to sell it. took it. forever. It was a nightmare. And so, I, you know, rather than just this just be all doom and gloom, you know, we want to make sure that people out there understand there are other ways to own real estate rather than pooling your money with other people and buying, um, you know, things that are out of your control. If you want to have control over your investments, over your money, there's great ways to do it. And you can do it all over the nation. It doesn't have to be where you are. We're big believers in it. It's what our clients do. 90 plus percent of our clients do not live in our market. They do not live in Indiana, but they own real estate here because now it can be done from afar very easily. Well, let's talk a little bit about the commercial office space and why it is, you know, the way that it is, what, what the trend is. And I think it's not going to come to a surprise to many people because unless you've been under a rock for the last, you know, three um, years or so, like the pandemic really, you know, really changed everything. Well, you had technology just leading up to, up to the pandemic that for the first time in history, people could be, effective from outside of the office and work. I mean, even in yours and my early careers, we couldn't work outside of the office. You had to go into work to get things done. Cell phones were just coming out. You know, mm-hmm. I remember emails. I, I refused to, to get on emails because I thought it was so inefficient when I was first starting my career in real estate. I thought oh, you have to connect to America online, I know. you know, through dial up and you yeah, know, just call me if you need something. Right. Why would somebody mm-hmm. send an email? But technology made it so people can work anywhere. And then the pandemic happened and people don't want to go back in there. They enjoyed their freedom. We saw a shift in, in, in the real estate market where people wanted places with yards. They wanted more space at home. People spent more on their house. It's part of what led to the rise in prices across the country. So dramatically in housing. So many people didn't have to go to the office anymore. So I'd argue that my freedom is here in this office. Yeah. Sure as hell ain't at home. I love you it. Know, here. I've got I've got a wife and four and six year old girls and two geriatric dogs. I mean, there's there's no uh you know, there's no freedom. No you know, they're they're at the house. You know, whenever we were going through the pandemic, um, you know, and then I had one and three year old girls whenever we were going through the pandemic and 
man, it was so hard to work from home. Like I couldn't wait to get back into the office. And I know that I'm weird and demented, but, uh, you know, it was actually kind of great for me because we were, all of our staff was remote during the pandemic and I was still, I was still in here working by myself. I never got more done in my life, um, than during, during that time. But, you know, a lot of people disagree, you know, with, with that thinking I've got, you know, some of my closest friends are 100% remote working for big companies. Um, yeah, it's know, not for me. Salesforce, uh, you know, dot com. You know, I've got a, a good buddy of mine. I mean, the you've got a giant, the tallest building in downtown Indianapolis is the Salesforce Tower. Yet he never goes in, never sees it. You know, I've got uh, another great friend of mine. He's a corporate attorney for a for a major, you know, Fortune one hundred company, and never goes in. You know, it's um, you know, and we talk about being old fuddy duddies. I know I'm an old fuddy duddy, but the way that people work is changed and it will forever be changed. Yeah. And I think that, you know, people have to really take note of that. Real estate investors have to really take note of that. Like, what is this, what is going to happen? You know, there's going to be a shift. I think you're, you're already starting to see a lot of office buildings be converted to condos and apartments because that's what the the video that you sent pickleball courts. One of them showed, I think it was the video I sent you Mm -hmm. where they're turning one building into, uh, you know, an athletic center. It's a, you know, just a classic office building in a suburb out in a, you know, a business park building and they're gutting it and turning it into pickleball courts and workout facilities. They're going to find some unique things to do with these buildings. But at the end of the day, I still wouldn't want to be invested in, in too much office space. You and I own office space. We own, actually we own a substantial amount of office space as far as I'm concerned, as far as what's substantial, it may not be that much, but it's, I mean, we own, I mean, we're talking over a hundred thousand square feet. I think if you combine mm-hmm. it all of office space, so we own it outright. Um, would I would I be building more of that right now? No, you know, I'm glad I, we own what we do, but I sure sure like residential uh, much much better now than ever. And you and I have been talking about this for a really long time. We've been talking about the strip mall problem for. You and I, for decades, literally for mm-hmm. 20 years, you and I have been saying, what's going to solve the strip mall problem? You well, know, a lot of the vacant. ones that we would we, you know, we would reference, like literally right across the street from our office are several strip malls. And um, a lot of those have been bulldozed because um, they, they were completely vacant. Yeah. And if they, if they weren't vacant, it was, you know, we would joke, it's where restaurants and, um, you know, other businesses would go to die. Yeah. You see someone come in and within six months they're gone. And, you know, it's just uh, it's kind of the cycle of death that we talk about in single family, you know, properties. It's just the landscape, you know, has changed, you know, so much. So, you know, do you see this changing at all with office space going forward? Well, who knows? I think that the demand is, is going to be there's a cultural shift that's permanent. I just believe that. And I think most people do, too. There's been a shift. But. You know, for a lot of people who are listening, if you don't think this applies to you, it does. Because these shifts change the entire real estate market in general. Shifts in a commercial will do all kinds of things that trickle down to everything to single family homes because you finally, you've suddenly have hedge funds seeing the vacancy rates and not wanting to place money in commercial. And then they start investing more in residential and that'll drive residential prices. 
you know, and we already have a shortage. So you've got this oversupply of commercial properties that we're talking about, mostly uh, office space. Um, but there's, there's some issues in some other sectors outside of office space, but as far as residential real estate, whether that's multifamily commercial or all the way down to single family homes, there's, there's a shortage, a shortfall of over 7 million homes. I think CNN says 6.9. I think Fannie Mae says like 8 million, but there is a shortage of housing for, for homes for people, but there's an oversupply of commercial. So what's going to happen? What's the natural thing? It's just another piece of pressure that's on residential real estate. You know, normally when rates increase like they have interest rates, you see a real pullback in residential real estate and you're really not seeing that across the nation, nearly what you have in past rate, uh, rate environments like this. And I think part of it is that there's not just pent up demand and not enough supply, but you've got big money, smart money, realizing that commercial isn't the place to be and getting in on the residential space. Well, that allow for opportunities in these commercial properties in your opinion probably but i'm staying away i'm too scared of it because i mean if you're if you're buying at a discount let's just say you know if there's that oversaturation of office space available which we know there is and we know that it's trending up and you know for all intents and purposes will probably can will continue to increase even if you got a deal on it you're not able to place somebody that would provide the cash flow that you would need. Right. Well, their margins are so thin. Keep in mind, most commercial uh, properties sell at cap rates, you know, in the, if, if they're quality between five and say 9% cap rates and 9% would be a dream come true. So their margins are, are incredibly tight. So when you get above 5% vacancy, they're basically starting to have losses. And when you see that the vacancy rate is over 12% across the board, in office space, commercial office space, they're all losing money right now. Mm-hmm. They, they were trading these, these like, like, you know, baseball cards at 5%. You know, they're going back and forth. This hedge fund would buy one and trade it to another. And they were being passed around at those 5% returns. When you've got vacancy rates at this point, you're going to see, you're going to see them dumping those baseball cards at losses. And yes, would that be an opportunity for some people? Yeah, probably not for me. I don't want to buy, I don't want to buy on the drop in, um, a sector that I don't believe in for the near to midterm, midterm future, meaning the next 20 years. I just don't, I don't know enough. I was watching some, um, house flipping type show. It was, it was people that were buying houses to live in that needed, you know, fixer uppers. It was on the Magnolia network and we had some, you know, we're, Fourth of July holiday, we had some extra couch time as a family, and we were watching this. My girls and, and my wife are into this home renovation, you know, stuff on TV. But while I was watching it, there was a there was a commercial. Um, looks like there's a new series come out. I can't remember the name of it, but it was someone that was transforming, um, you know, a motel mm. into. Um, you know, more of apartment style, you yeah. know, the reason why, you know, why you've been I'm a going, fan of I've that been talking forever. about this forever. Like how, right. you know, you're seeing uh, with the increase in Airbnb and, you know, all of these, these, uh, you know, types of ways that you can vacation some of these smaller mom and pop, um, you know, options are really struggling, you know, to, to, to stay full or to turn a profit even right that, that, that this would always, 
you know, that this would be a thing that you could, that you could do and transform this into long-term rentals. Because I believe that the younger generation, younger than us, they don't care about space. You know, they don't care about how big a place is. They just want a place with high-speed internet, well, a, the, place, a place to flop. The data backs you up on that. Correct. That's not and just your with opinion. the increase increase in, in in rental prices across the country, that you know, offering you know something smaller that was a little bit more affordable, you know, was in high demand. I'm getting a little bit off topic, but um, you know, these office space, you know, issues with the increased vacancy, you know, from a development standpoint, does it really? You know, is it attractive? For sure. I think it's just attractive to just a very small percentage of investors though, right? Because you're talking, you're talking big dollars. Big dollars, but you know, redevelopment, finding a new use for uh, commercial properties that are are out of favor is, is an amazing way to make money. And, you know, you've been ahead of the curve on that. And we, we actually did one. We took an old building and turned it into millennial living with small space. And we immediately had a waiting list. You know, we, we happen to have the building that was right by a, a medical school, which didn't hurt because you've got, uh, you know, a lot of millennials that want those smaller spaces. But you and I went to a conference shoot. That's almost 10 years ago. Do you I remember know. that conference yeah. we went to? Crazy. They were uh, pitching the idea that you would build small apartments, but have down in the, the lobby area, you'd have shared workspace and, and shared, uh, YouTube Media rooms. Room, yeah. And, and we thought, Oh, these guys are crazy. One had a lazy river. One and had a lazy <laughs> river. We thought these guys are crazy. They were ahead of their time. So yeah, redevelopment of, of those properties is, is something that is really neat to see what people are doing. Like the pickleball court from that, uh, what that mm-hmm. video I sent you, I was fascinated with that. You know, what a brilliant reuse of that commercial, you know, building. So yeah, like anything, the market will have some, some adaptations that will take advantage of this and some will survive. I sure wouldn't want to invest overall though in commercial, you know, just commercial office space or business parks right now. You know, we have, we have a friend who uh, developed an entire office park up North that we went and toured and we looked at putting in some residential in it and he already had the curbs in, he had a movie theater that moved in a restaurant and a few other things, but he cannot sell that development to save his life. Any of the other spots for office building. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's a dangerous time unless you have some really cool redevelopment idea. Like if you find a cool hotel in a cool spot where millennials would want to live, that'd be awesome. How cool would that be? Oh, it'd be amazing. You know, that, like I said, you're, you're talking about a, a very small percentage of investors that would, would be interested or even have the ability to be able to do something like that. I mean, you and I have tried to go through rezoning of different places and rezoning is exceptionally challenging, you know, to do. And it could take, you know, a very long time, you know, to do it, you know, which, you know, the longer it takes to, to do something, your increased carrying costs and, you know, everything associated with this, with it, even, you know, your maintenance, you know, whatever, but, you know, just to do the architectural and engineering, you know, on something, I mean, you're talking massive dollars, like the, the, the runway before you clear profit is very long, very long. We know because we build well, stuff. You, you, you're shelling, shelling money out you know most of your work is done before the before the the work 
actually starts <laughs> right. you know, before you know you have construction crews in there doing anything. And before that happens, I mean, you're, you know, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, already, already invested. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, and that, so I think for the typical person, I think your point kind of rings true to most of our listeners are not going to be people who are full time in the development or redevelopment or have the time for that. And it's not all bad news out there. These, there's a lot of sectors of real estate that are still as hot as ever, if not hotter. And there's a housing shortage. There just is a housing shortage. And there's places all across the United States, particularly in the Midwest, that have great deals still. Even at these interest rates of, say, 7%, there's great returns to be had and they can own the property themselves versus pulling money with commercial real estate. And we just, I just want people to understand that, especially if you're listening to this and you're invested in REITs and commercial, that it might be time to take a quick reassessment of what you have and consider owning some real world assets yourself that aren't pulled, that aren't purchased by somebody in a ivory tower using your money to buy who knows how many office buildings that have leases, but people aren't actually in that building. We know how that'll end up. And it's just a chance for us to really talk about how much we love the residential side and why we love it. It doesn't have these ups and downs. Even when you have major market cycles, other than say a 2008 um, collapse that crushed everybody across the board, all sectors of real estate. You've got this shortage in residential real estate that if done right and done conservatively, in a way, the value doesn't matter anyway, if you're a long-term cash flow investor, but that's a whole other story. But it, there's just a safe haven out there right now in real estate that we see. We see single family residential investing and small multifamily residential investing as the biggest safe haven in the storm that's out there right now. And there's a lot of unknowns and we're just, if you're listening to this, you know, I, I just would strongly consider shifting and looking more closely at the residential sector because there's some really easy ways that you can become an investor in that area and, and do it easy. Technology has made it so it's almost as easy as buying a REIT, as picking up the phone and calling your stockbroker and saying, hey, I want to be invested in, you know, commercial real estate. It's that easy to own residential real estate as well, because there's companies all over, turnkey companies. And if people want to know who they are, they're welcome to uh, contact us through the homeboyspodcast.com. And we'll put you in touch with, with some of the examples across the country. And, and of course, we have some too, but, um, you know it's a product that's out there that we are really, really heavily, heavily building as much as we can of and buying as much as we can because we, we know that this is the safe haven right now and the returns are just amazing still. Well, and I don't believe that we're anywhere near the bottom in some of this commercial real estate. You know, I believe that this is going, you know, to continue. We could see it within our own, um, you know, workforce here within our office, you know, we've had, we have a lot of positions that were 100% in the office now that have gone remote. And I think we were, you know, much slower to the game, you know, of working from home than a lot of other companies. And I believe that, you know, a lot of the younger workforce, they're simply not interested 
in going and working in an office environment. So these jobs are going to to have to continue to be available to work remotely because the demand for new talent isn't for coming into the office. So I believe that this is going to be something that we're going to continue um, to see. You know, we know of a lot of office space up here on the north side of Indianapolis that, you know, continues, you know, to be vacant. Um, My grandpa told me this a long time ago. He said, you own real estate where people want to be. Sounds really simple. Okay. People don't want to be in an office space. People want to be in a home working from their home with space and all the amenities. So which would you rather own right now? Oh, there's no doubt, you know, for, for me personally, I mean, it is still in, um, you know, residential real estate, you know, it's for uh, real estate that has a tenant in there that is responsible for their monthly, you know, payments that helps pay down, you know, my mortgage, there's a housing shortage, you know, out there, you know, that demand is there. So I want to be in an area where the demand for my product exists. Mm -hmm. Now I will say this. I am intrigued by redevelopment of certain, you know, assets. And you for know sure. that. And, as, as you uh, should be. I've been shaking trees for for quite a few months, you know, on things that you can turn um, into, you know, lifestyle type living. And I say lifestyle type living, it's just my own made up term for tiny apartment living that is more affordable. Say for example, here in Fishers, Indiana, where we're we're located. There's not a new apartment up here, you know, for under $2,000, you know, a month. And I'm talking, you know, a tiny one bedroom, you know, maybe not even a one bedroom, a studio, um, you know, apartment. And, but yet there's jobs everywhere up here. Mm -hmm. We've got a top golf facility just down the, uh, just down the street here that has 500 employees. Where do those 500 employees, you know, live? So I think, you know, you know, repositioning um, real estate that, you know, could potentially be this lifestyle type living that I'm talking about. I'm very intrigued. Right. But again, I throw caution at it because man, it's a, it's a hefty investment, the legal, the architectural, the rezoning, all of that. It's not for, um, you know, inexperienced people. I think and, you're missing, you know, it's even, it's you're even missing the biggest, me, you know, like, you know, for us, you know, I think you're missing the big biggest risk. risk. You didn't even mention to me what the biggest risk is. It's so dependent on where it's located and finding a property that needs to be redeveloped in a location where millennials will want to live is going to be very difficult too. I think it's, it's, that's the biggest risk for people is that they reach out and try, would try to do this development in an area that, that, um, wouldn't be for living, you know, like some random exit on a highway with a rundown motel, obviously, you know, that, you say that because I brought it to you. No, 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 <laughs> no. You've brought some that are closer mm-hmm. to city city centers. Right. No, I know where you want to do it. You want to do it in areas that work, but I just wanted to caution other people, like that. There's we're, no doubt that there's areas outside of that where you can find these these things to convert all over the place, as you know. I just wanted to caution. Well, and I don't part. even. I don't even know. I'll be very transparent. I don't even know how likely the process would be. For a lot approval of with the cities Correct. and all of that. I yeah. mean, you know, here in Fishers, I can tell you what what the, what the chances <laughs> are. It's zero. They would right. no. There's the government here 
the city would not would not go for that. We tried and to build 144 or something. It wasn't 100. It wasn't quite that much. I it think wasn't? it was. No, I think it was. I think it was. Doesn't well, matter. Anyway, around 140 you know, workforce development type small this kind of small living but brand new from scratch and it didn't fit within what it was they wanted. impossible to yeah, do i yeah. mean we went on this whole butt kissing tour and yeah trying to meet with city council members and yeah. you know trying to to get it to work and then kissing you, hands and shaking babies kissing hands and shaking babies <laughs> and then you realize that all the people that you're trying to win over are real estate developers themselves oh, that's so crazy you know, on the city council is very very crooked um but you're right you know it's you know, there's a lot of people that would love to live in Fishers. And we're not just talking about Fishers, too, with that. I mean, oh, no, but yeah. Fishers is a good benchmark. And, part, you know, feel free to look it up. It's it's one of the more affluent, you know, not the most affluent, but one of the more affluent suburbs of Indianapolis. Um, you know, it's a really neat place to live. You know, big demand for younger folks to live in Fishers. I just don't know how you afford it. Yeah. Well, it's on the top 10 list, like for, for Money Magazine, for the best places for families to live. It's always on right. the top 10 list in the nation, which who would have thought a place in Indiana would always be on these top 10 lists? Because it is. It's even on the top 10 list for like millennials and jobs. I mean, it's a happening, really robust place, and it's difficult to do that here. But had you got into single family real estate in Fishers, like we and a lot of our clients did, you'd be you'd be sailing off into the sunset right now not nearly as much as i wish i i had i know you know i mean regrets you look back 20 years ago um just getting you know my feet underneath of me and i know you just a little bit before me you know there was stuff available here oh we joke about you know, it seventy thousand dollars for some of those ranches Correct. in the neighborhoods you ended up buying some in and flipping mm -hmm. and and that goes back to the whole flipping thing which this is a whole nother subject but we believe in long-term cash flow and the holding of real estate for for basically boring reasons all you got to do is build a spreadsheet i was i built a spreadsheet the other night that i showed you clint from one of our houses that we bought 15 years ago we paid $100,000 for it. We actually got a mortgage on that one. Mm -hmm. Well, our line of credit. So it's worth, we've made over $260,000 in those 15 years. When you count appreciation, the tenant paying down our mortgage and the amount of rent increases where our mortgage pay payment stayed the same, we've made over 200000 on that. We've done a lot of commercial properties. None of them have ret returns like that. None of our flips did we turn basically $20,000 down payment into 200,000. We believe in the long-term holding of real estate, single family and multifamily residential real estate because of those reasons. A lot less risk, man. Yeah. A lot less risk. Yeah. But, well, I think that that concludes our time for today. Anything else you want to add on, uh, on office space, commercial real estate, life, it's hard to Politics. hear. It's hard to hear the word office space without thinking of like five thousand quotes from that movie. If you have not seen that movie, Office Space, it has nothing to do with the topic we're talking about. But go see it. It'll it'll make your make your day a little better. A little early, uh, Jennifer Aniston in yeah. her career. Uh, trying to think who else, if anyone else is in it. Well, it's, who it's created hilarious. Mike Judge, the creator mm -hmm. of Beavis and Butthead? Yeah. Yeah, it was a great movie. Funny a lot movie. Of quotes. But hey, you got to be cautious about Office Space, and I'm not talking about the movie. But anyhow, that concludes our episode for today. We appreciate you joining us. Continue to watch us on TikTok and other forms of social media as well. You can find us on TikTok at the Homeboys Podcast. 
We had a very strong following on TikTok. We love pumping out videos for you. We love doing this podcast. Be careful out there. Till next time, homies. Happy investing.